We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to another episode of the Brooklyn Buzz presented by OGGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Fay. With me, as always, the great Australian, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? Always a pleasure, Nick. Shout out to my uh, fellow Aussie, Mitch Creek, for getting a training camp invite to our squad. And happy birthday to Damari Carroll. Yeah, big shout out to Damari. Obviously, we're hoping the Australian that was signed by the Nets was Jack, but it wasn't. But <laughs> big shout out to... Unfortunately not. Yeah, maybe next year. Maybe next year we'll get the camp invite for you. But yeah. <laughs> And shout out to Jared Allen, who released an exclusive T-shirt today, which is pretty cool. Sick, that sort of NBA old school jam style. Man, I wish I was at Coney Island right now. Yeah, as always, just a quick reminder, check us out on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, Google Play, Dash Radio. You know, retweet us, share us, let us know what you think in the comment section. We want to hear from you. We'll definitely be doing a mailbag soon, so possibly on the next episode. Keep an eye out for that. But, Jack... Obviously, this offseason, there's been plenty of hype about Nets players, specifically D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie's gotten some hype, maybe even a touch of Jared Allen. But which net do you think is being slept on this offseason that no one's really talking about that can make another stride next year? Yeah, for me, it's Alan Krabnick. You know, he didn't have – he had his career, a career year last year. Um, I've been listening to, like, a plethora of podcasts in the offseason. There's still so much content available, a lot of it uh, through OTGBasketball.com. And, you know, he averaged 13.2 points, 4.3 rebounds, um, 1.6 assists. Uh, he's 37.8% uh, three-point shooting and an effective field goal percentage of, of almost 53%, which I, I think will rise. I think all those numbers will rise. You know, he had numbers last year. Um, you know, he had a, a couple of games, like I think two games above 30 points, including that uh, scintillating 41-point performance. I think that was on his birthday as well, um, which was one of the best games I've seen a Nets player play in, in my sort of fandom. Yeah, um, one of had, the best games of last season from a Nets player, really. Absolutely. And, you know, Monty's like sort of his game log summary from B-Ball Reference. And he had 27 games where he scored zero to nine points. If he can eradicate those 27 games and turn them into 10-point or plus games, automatically it makes him a better player and more effective. And I think that he's one of the guys, he's not like a D-Lo, he's not like a Karras. 
He's not posting many workout videos and stuff. He did have a chat at Summer League that I think we touched on very briefly. He was sort of saying, look, it feels good to just be 100% healthy going into training camp. He didn't have that last year. And we talked yep. about that, how it affected him early in the season. You know, he still had his moments, you know, 20-point bursts, you know, huge three-point bursts. But I'm big on Alan Crabb, um, despite the fact that, you know, I know Danny LaRue and Nate Duncan think he's on one of the worst contracts in the league. Uh, I think he's going to live up to that $19 million, And I think that we're going to see, you know, another jump. Very yeah. young. He showed some real strides defensively. And I think it's going to be a big year for him. I think the one point that you hit on that is super important is last year he wasn't 100%. He didn't get that full offseason with the Nets. Now getting a full offseason with the Nets and their coaching staff kind of developing their game, also a full year in the system. And I would say in the second half he looked a lot more comfortable. He looked a lot more confident in himself. He wasn't really pressing as much. And like you said as well, the defense. He really took a stride in defense, kind of improving that area, and I think that's big going to next season. And we know three-point shooting is super important in Kenny's system. So if Crab can kind of – just get get more efficient. Like you said, we saw the burst. We saw the flashes. Now if he can just kind of make that consistent through 82 games, the Nets are going to be really good shape with having a three-point shooter like him and Joe Harris. Yeah, I think that he's going to want to try and aim for that 40% range. You know, yeah. Joe Harris was obviously probably our best three-point shooter, one of the best in the league, if not the best. Um, so I think aiming for that 40% range, you know, having just 40, 50, 90 splits, I think is is a really sort of positive thing to have as sort of what D'Lo is aiming for. I think Alan Crabb can legitimately aim for that. You know, he is obviously going to be a volume three-point shooter, so it's going to be a little bit hard for him. Joe Harris does it against second units. Alan Crabb likely, and in, in, in my view, will do it against starting units and probably, you know, tougher competition. But he has all the tools um, to be, you know, a guy that sort of aims for that range. And, you know, JJ Redick, Kyle Korver, these guys are volume shooters in the same sort of vein. Um, he did it in Portland in the sort of third role. But I think now that he's going to have the attention, he knows what's coming at him. I think uh, later in the year, we also saw, you know, some uh, some better driving from him. And, you know, Joe Harris, we talked about him at length, being literally the best driving percentage in the league. I think Alan Crabb had better nights than that. And I think that's going to sort of show him, um, give him sort of, you know, better room, better sort of maneuverability and just uh, give him a more flexible game. And I think it's, uh, I'm looking forward to this season from Alan Crabb. I'm certainly going to be watching him. Yeah, and I feel like the driving thing, like you mentioned, he can kind of work on that in-between game. It's just like the small things. Obviously, he's a talented basketball player. It's just kind of working on his craft and taking it to the next level. And obviously, last year he had a bigger opportunity than any time he really had in Portland. So I'm looking forward to it as well. So Karis LeVert is my dude. And I think, obviously, for nice. numerous reasons, Karis LeVert is going to be the guy just because that people are sleeping on because he doesn't have that star hype. There wasn't much hype with him in the draft. But I think there's a couple things that people forget about. About. We've mentioned on the show a million times, you know, in college, he's dealt with a lot of injuries, not getting a ton of playing time on the floor. Then his rookie season, he missed a good chunk of that. Last year, he missed some time as well. But after February, including the two games in February, 24 games, averaged 12.8 points per game, 46.6% from the field, 38.5% from three. 4.3 assists, 3.1 rebounds, 1.7 turnovers, and 1.1 steals in 25 minutes. Now, you know, look production-wise, you're looking at it, you're like, all right, those numbers aren't much higher than what he did, but they're a lot more efficient. The fact it was only four, uh, the, sh the fact that he shot 46% from the field and close to 40% from three are really big. And then the fact he kind of cut those turnovers down, 
And like I said, getting more playing time and just more time on the court. And I think some of the additions are going to help Karras as well. You know, obviously everyone who played with Jared Allen last year kind of benefited because he was really the only true roller on the nets by the end of the season. Obviously Booker left and Zeller left. So now having an Ed Davis at Kenneth Reed, I think is going to really add to that as well. And then we've seen him working. He's been a guy that's been posting a lot of Instagram videos, working at six, seven o'clock in the morning, you know, working in the sand, working in the desert, doing a lot of workouts, putting on strength. And I think the fact he spent time with his summer league team and just the coaches staff around there, I think is only going to help him kind of take that next level. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big year for Karis LeVert. Obviously, you know, the, the trade talks were sort of, you know, murmurings around him last year. A lot of teams were sort of asking about him. Uh, I, I love the sort of consistency that, you know, Coach Kenny and Sean Marks have shown with him and the sort of confidence they have in him. And I, and I think he's going to pay that back. Um, I, I love his game. I think that, you know, he has such a, a wide array. Um, I think Damari Carroll... Uh, said on a recent podcast that you know he has the ability to play one to three and if his frame even improves he could even play a yep. small ball full role um, and, and i think he has that ability as well because he has such a wide skill set you know we saw his three-point shot improve like you said um I, I sort of pinpointed in my season review article for him um on ogdbasketball.com that he loves this sort of one spot similar to um lebron james saw at the top of the elbow of that perimeter and, you know, he shot really well from there. And it's just, if you've got that spot, you know, it makes you a weapon. And like you said, the other guy's improving. You know, if it's if he's playing in lineups with D'Lo and he's getting that attention, that's going to benefit Karras. If Spencer did when he continues to improve and, and Karras is playing with him, that's going to benefit him. And that's the same with Alan Crabb. If we see improvement within the guys in our roster, as well as guys like Shabazz Napier, Ed Davis, you know, the, the increased talent is only going to work wonders for the guys making that next step next season, like Karras and Allen. Yeah, and I think one other area where Karras can really help the Nets is kind of take that next step defensively. I know you got after him a little bit about some of the small fouls, you know, just the stupid fouls, kind of clean that up. I think adding some strength is going to really help him in that department. As well, he led the Nets in deflections last year, 164, and it was by a pretty good margin, and he wasn't obviously the didn't play the highest minutes on the Nets last year. So I think that's a plus. And then not to mention the strength, I think last year, you know, Obviously, being a second-year player, you didn't get a ton of respect going to the rim, but being stronger and going to the rim a little bit harder is going to help you with those foul calls, get to the free-throw line more, and it's going to help you just finish better. And I think that's going to help him a lot because we know that hesitation move is great. As soon as he kind of gets a step on somebody, he'll kind of be able to put him on his hip and kind of get to the lane. So I think Karras is a guy that a lot of Nets fans, I just feel like, haven't mentioned when talking about players that are going to make a jump. It's been all, and not not in a bad way, it's been D'Angelo-centric, which obviously I think he's going to make a huge jump and probably be an all-star next year, hopefully, if everything goes right but i think karis is a guy we have to keep an eye on too yeah i mean all of our young talent you know we could even chuck in jared allen and i was gonna yep even ronde to be honest yeah i mean literally no one is talking about ronde the the fact that we we, the fact i mean he he's been posting little bits here and there on on insta and twitter like he had um on twitter the other day like i wish i was in new york and i was able to respond to the tweet where he's like does anyone want to come rebound for me i'm in the new york area um so i mean if they're rebounding for him maybe he's practicing that three-point shot we don't know um He's not a guy that's sort of hanging out with the sort of, you know, big time trainers, Chris Brickley, Drew Hanlon and stuff. But there's no doubt that these guys have a great work ethic. And, you know, I think Damari Carroll and the leadership has instilled that within us. You know, the culture, the camaraderie, the chemistry. I think all those things um, are going to bode well for us going into the season. But, you know, I think it's all going to translate into whether we stay healthy. You know, if we, we've got the right training staff um, and, and, you know, we've got the right team around everyone, you know, uh, I think that it's going to bode well if we stay healthy then I think we're going to see, you know, marked improvements from all of our guys. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's just so much possibility with the player development. We'll kind of talk about that in our next segment right now. 
So ESPN dropped their power rankings, Jack, and they ranked the Nets 28th. What was your initial reaction to this? Well, immediate shade, Nick. You know, Corey <laughs> mentioned it. Um, you, you guys talked about it on the outlet um, as well because I retweeted it out. And I was just like, what, really? Um, and, you know, on the OTG power rankings, we had them 24th, which to me, I had them a little bit lower. I had them at 25th. But I think is around that range. You could go anywhere from like 23 to 26, even 27 if you're going to be a bit lowly on them. But 28th, I think it is far too low. When you're looking at teams, you know, like Phoenix, like New York, like Orlando, like Chicago, Atlanta. Um, even Cleveland, Atlanta. It's all these teams, you know, I don't think are any worse, uh, any better than us in, in any sort of range. Um, funnily enough, the person who uh, is credited with writing the sort of synopsis, whether he did the ranking as well, uh, remains to be seen, Chris Forsberg, is a Celtics writer. So I don't know if there's anything in that. Um, I doubt it. But reading the sort of synopsis, all of the things that were said were positive. But then it came up with a 28th ranking. And, you know, the fact that we're under the Knicks, we're under the Magic. I don't see, like, the Magic don't have a freaking point guard. I know, I was thinking that too. Aaron Gordon is their best player. Mo Bamba showed signs, but not much. Jonathan Eisen showed signs, but not much. Like, it's just, it bewilders me that some of these things, I can get the Bulls to an extent because, you know, they've got Parker, they've got Levine, they've got Dunn. They've got these guys that are sort of like, you know, have high upside. They're sort of on these, you know, flashy sort of contracts. Even the Phoenix to a lesser extent. But, you know, and the, the, the Knicks as well without Porzingis, you know, Kevin Knox, you know, might be probably the best prospect out of the two New York teams. But we've got sort of a plethora of guys. And I think a lot isn't being mentioned about, like, the depth that we've got. So, yeah, it, it, for me, it bewildered me. And, and it just shows to me, like, how much smarter the people at OTGBasketball.com are <laughs> compared to the ESPN stuff, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if just looking at it from the perspective of last year to this year, there's no way the Nets got worse than last season. Like, no. they're not... They're not going to be worse. And just looking at the guys that they added, they added Ed Davis, Shabazz Napier, Trevion Graham, Kenneth Faree, Jared Dudley, Shana Musa, Rodion Kurox. And then the guys they lost, Jeremy Lin, who only played 25 minutes for the team, Timothy Moskov, who was unplayable, Isaiah Whitehead, who spent most of the time in the G League, Quincy Ace, who is a headache for pretty much 80% of Nets fans, Dante Cunningham was solid, Jalil Okafor really struggled. He couldn't find his groove, and he might not even be in the NBA next season. Nick Stauskas just signed for a minimum deal. I'm not super high on him. And Milton Doyle and James Webb are kind of fringe NBA players that are trying to perfect their craft and get in a league. So they added, they lost all these guys who were, you know, fringe NBA players other than maybe minus a few. And they added a whole bunch of guys who are proven rotation guys other than Giannis Musa and Rodion Kurox. Like, there's no way they can be worse than last season because they have so much more depth. Like last year, the biggest issue, if you subtract, I want to say the month of February, the Nets record is looking a lot better than it did. Obviously, they're still bottom 10 team. But I want to say they won one or two games in February, and a lot of that was because Karis LeVert and Rondé Hollis Jefferson were out. Now they have guys that can fill in that position, kind of give you some production, and now are known for player development. Kenny Atkinson is known for player development. And you're trying to tell me all the young guys we just mentioned, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, even the rookies that we bring in this year aren't going to get better. You know, People are going to get worse. It's not like the Nets are one of the oldest teams in the league. So I really don't understand how they could be 28. I can understand in the 20 to 26 range of you wanted to put them but saying they're the third worst team in the nba just doesn't really make sense to me and i just feel like it's just part of the perception that the nets are that bad team that they have to get over that hump yeah and you look at our previous ranking on espn was 25th and you look at the orlando magics was 28th and they somehow climbed two spots by adding mobamba and yeah. melvin frazier and 
Timofey Mozgov. How do they climb those? Like, if for me, I'm and really like, Amo, who played a good man. I mean, he wasn't great last year, but he played some solid minutes for them at different points. And they also lost their guy who averaged the most assists in Shelvin Mack, who was no world <laughs> beater, but he was still their best guy. Solid, and they yeah. lost Mario Hazonia as well, who showed some real nice flashes towards the end of the season. For me, that's the one that sort of probably, you know, pardon my friend, but pisses me off the most because I think we're a better, like, if. We see the best version of Barber and Isaac, then yeah, then that's certainly a possibility. But they haven't shown anything. Whereas our sort of prospects, D'Lo, Karras, Jared Allen, have already shown glimpses at the NBA level. I don't understand how this Orlando Magic team has gone two spots better. Whether they're like, you know, the summer intern guys are, are probably like doing these lists for, for ESPN.com and, you know, it's not like a Brian Windhorse or a Zach Lowe. That certainly would not surprise me because, you know, obviously listicles can be you know, uh, fun to talk about and can be a, a decent in-depth read. And there's a lot of good ones on OGGBasketball.com because they have some research about them. But this seems like it was done by, you know, a couple of interns who probably aren't getting paid enough to sort of put a list together. Yeah, it feels like the Nets just are like, oh, they've been a bad team. They're going to be bad again. We don't pay attention to what they did this season or last season or what they did in the offseason. And I don't see how you could say the Knicks are going to have a better season if Porzingis doesn't play. Like there's and even the Bulls, like I can understand the argument, but I still think the Bulls defense is going to be trash. Like I think all those teams like and we've had, you know, writers on our staff and as well as writers across the league who have mentioned they think the Nets could possibly be a fringe playoff team for the eight seed or be in that kind of eight to 11 range instead of, you know, bottom four in the East. So this kind of just kind of I was kind of shocked in a way. I was shocked in a way that they're ranked 28th. But then again, ESPN has felt like has never really shown much love to the Nets over the last five years and for a good reason. But this year's when they should actually be getting some kind of credit for what they've done and they didn't really get much at all. Look, I'm hoping that this is, in a way, is a sort of motivating factor for, yeah. for a lot of our Nets guys. I'm sure that they would have seen that, you know, obviously, you know, they look at, you, you see what, what's being said by the media. Um, and, and I think that, you know, the Nets have such a sort of tight-knit group that, you know, they may use that as motivation. Damara might sort of like post it on the wall. Um, I know that he sort of said that he posted like, you know, this, the salary dump thing on his wall. So any sort of motivation for our guys, I think is only going to be a good thing. And, you know, you can make arguments for and against till the cows come home. But I think once the season starts, that's when we want our guys to do, let the basketball do the talking. And I'm hoping and I'm not just hoping, uh, you know, I, I have faith in the fact that, you know, Coach Kenny can get them to do so. Yeah, and I think another thing you mentioned, Amari, and him posting that up, I think as well, having other veterans on the team will help. You know, last year they had vet other veterans, but they weren't really established guys. Like, Jared Dudley's been around the league a lot. He's a well-known guy, especially with NBA media, and he's been on winning teams. Same thing with Ed Davis. You know, just bringing in guys like that, Kenneth Fareed to an extent too. Like, having those guys around, I think, is just going to help the young guys in a bigger level and just kind of make that jump. And everything we've heard from the Nets is they're looking to be more competitive this year. It's not like they're looking to tank. The only way I could really truly agree with this ranking if the person who ranked the Nets thought they were going to tank this season because they have their pick back. Yeah. And I mean, if some people might look into that into an extent. And I know Nate Duncan of Dunkton has said, like, you know, he doesn't see why the Nets would go for a playoff spot. But for me, you know, uh, Sean Marks has always preached, you know, building a culture and building a winning culture. You can't tank in that sense. And I don't think that the Nets are good enough to sort of like, you know, go for a top four seed. But they're around that range of, of a 7 to 11 seed quite easily. And, you know, with the sort of, like I've mentioned before, whether it's on the buzz or the outlet or even JBT, the sort of lottery odds are smoothing out. And, you know, there's every chance that, like, you know, that 1 to 2% getting the 8th or ninth seed compared to the 12th seed 
you know, it's a better chance that we could get still a decent pick anyway. We, we saw the Sacramento Kings, who were projected to get the seventh pick, get the second pick, and you know the Bulls get the seventh pick. So you know, it's a it's a it's a luck of the draw um, proposition anyway. So I'd much rather you know have a winning season and then get like you know a, a decent enough pick and you know get lucky because I think you know I, I believe in the karma and the basketball gods and all those sort of things, Nick. So um, I'd rather have you know a fringe playoff run and then get a good guy that we can develop rather than getting like, you know, tanking and having a horrible season and getting, you know, maybe a, a top two, top three guy. Yeah, and to Nate Duncan's point, like, I think that's what you're thinking if you're just looking at basketball on paper and not thinking it's humans because you have to remember there's morale, there's culture that you need to build. If you want to attract players, no one's coming to a team that barely scratched 20 wins. You know what I mean? It's There's not much to get excited about. And even the young guys, it's harder to get them motivated. Jared Dudley, I think, on the – podcast with Woj mentioned how like he needed to talk to Devin Booker and he was upset at certain times going on yeah. four games losing streak losing gets to you you know you could make an argument that's hurt Jalil Okafor's career Nerlens Noel like losing all that time in Philadelphia isn't nice it's it definitely helps more when you're winning and I think you can get almost a little bit faster development with a winning team yeah definitely and I think you make the point of the fact that you know these aren't just you know numbers on paper like and I think that a lot of the time that's what sort of like the the hyper analytical podcast can sort of treat these guys as like you know they're not these guys are basketballs they're humans you know, not they robots. Want to, they're not robots in any sense of the word despite the fact that Joe Harris is a is a bucket machine <laughs> he ain't a robot um but yeah I, I completely get that especially tracking free agents as well you know look for the nets at least you know, if um, if there's a chance that like you know we're we had horrible injuries and we're going horribly and it makes the most sense for us to you know go down a tanking route post All Star break, but for the first few months of the season, you know we're going to be competitive and you know you change the wins that we had last season, we could have been a fringe playoff team even then, uh, especially in the Eastern Conference. Who, you know, I think that there's every chance that we can be. And you know we're trying to attract free agents and losing doesn't attract free agents. You know the Philadelphia 76ers wouldn't have got you know um, wouldn't have been in the race for LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard. Or uh, even JJ Redick the year before, like just exactly. because Joel Embiid helped them make that push the year before. I know they weren't close to the playoffs, but when he was playing, they were like a playoff team. And then the next year, JJ Redick sees that and he understands, all right, this team, now they're going to get Ben Simmons. I'm going to come here and now look at them. You know, I mean, at points in the playoffs, some of us picked them to come out of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and I mean, the, the the comments that were made by Ed Davis and Jared Dudley to the media, which we'll chat about, um, indicated the fact that, like, you know, that we want to be competitive. And I think that that's only going to be a good thing going forward for the guys that we've got and probably for our young guys as well. Well, Jack, you already kind of led us right into it. So we're going to start with Ed Davis's uh, conference call. So he talked to some of the media a little bit. And this is kind of on the nets and having no plans of tanking. And this is Ed Davis. Me being a veteran, I'm not that young of a player, but I know what I signed up for and all I've been hearing from the front office and the coaching staff is we're trying to win. Obviously, you have to develop no matter what if it's a young team or an older team. You still want to keep getting better. So, I mean, that comment right there, Jack, kind of makes me think that they're definitely not going to go in that mindset of tanking. They're going to go in the mindset of trying to compete and win. If things change, they change. But it looks like they're telling Ed Davis that they're not going to tank. No, and obviously, you know, you're not going to attract guys. I don't think Ed Davis would have knocked back teams like the Golden State Warriors, the 76ers, and, and everyone else if, you know, the Brooklyn Nets were like, look, Ed, we'll, we'll, we'll have you on, but you're not going to play that much, and, you know, we're going to be tanking throughout the rest of the year. Jared Allen's going to play, you know, 40 minutes. You're going to play maybe 20 here or there. You know, I, I don't think that that's going to be, you know, a welcome sight for, for a prospective free agent. So, you know, this is just reiterates and furthers our points. The fact that, you know, the Nets aren't going to be tanking. And, you know, obviously, I think it's going to be a good thing for Ed Davis because a lot of these guys that we've picked up, Kenneth Free, Jared Dudley, Ed Davis, Shabazz Napier, 
like I mentioned before about that sort of chip on your shoulder mentality, you know, the contract year mentality, these guys are going to want to have big seasons. They're going to want to not just prove it for themselves, but prove them, you know, within a team system because some of these guys are aging and their, their role within teams isn't sort of superstar status. So how they fit within a, a cohesive environment, a cohesive squad is going to be what sort of speaks for them and sort of can go, okay, well, this is what he did for, for this team. You know, this is what he can do for your team. So I think, you know, all these guys are going to have points to prove. Um, I'm hoping that Coach Kenny can sort of, you know, be able to distribute the minutes that allows them to sort of give themselves the the, the chance to do so. And I think obviously for a guy like Ed Davis, he's going to get every opportunity. Uh, for me right now, he's probably the best rebounder on the roster. You can make an argument for Kenneth Fareed, who probably does it a little bit more athletically. But Ed Davis, for me, is our best rebounder. And I can't wait to see him in a Nets uniform. And, you know, the, the words that were being told to him by Sean Marks are only good things. Yeah, exactly. I think your spot, pretty much everything you just said, Jack, is spot on. Like, not only are these guys going to be in contract years, they're going to be looking to get long-term contracts. And if the Nets were, you know, some people said maybe the Nets going to have a surprising season like the Pacers. If the Nets were to have that and all these veterans are part of the reason why, they're going to, it's going to help their case in free agency to be like, yo, I just signed up with the Nets last year. We helped them push to the playoffs, maybe, or right on the cusp of the playoffs. And I kind of am looking for more money. And they're like, all right, we can see the impact you've had on this team. And then let's say Ed Davis's case, Portland really hurts in the rebounding department in that big position. And now all of a sudden it's like, all right, this guy actually has some value. So there's a couple different ways to look at it too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Ed Davis is going to be a welcome sight. And I've already, all these guys that we picked up, I'm, I'm already like salivating to see them in a Nets uniform. Yeah, you got to go on 2K, download those already updated rosters made by people and stuff so you can get well, a little fun. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still playing 2K with freaking, like we've got Quincy AC out there. <laughs> we've, we've got like Jaleel Okafor out there. I really need to update the rosters because I'm doing season mode right now. So I can't really do it. By the way, I'm on a 26 uh 26 game winning streak so far, 33 and one this season. Nets. Hopefully, hopefully that's a good sign. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I think a lot of Nets fans would be happy with 33 wins next year, just alone. Yeah, true, true. true. <laughs> but um, I would be happy with that for sure. Uh, moving on to another Ed Davis quote, and this was kind of talking to some of the other Nets that about his coming to Brooklyn. I talked to Alan and Jeremy Lin a little bit about the coaching staff and the things like that and how the organization was run and nothing was nothing but great things. I think this team has potential, definitely. We can try to make the push into the playoffs this year. It's going to be a challenge, but that's one of the reasons why I'm here. I mean, that's a great quote. <laughs> yeah, I love the sort of confidence. And I think, you know, he can really add something that can give us an edge and give us a different department, a different part of our game. When, you know, we've talked about it in sort of when the trade was made and you, know, you guys can go listen to that podcast on YouTube, uh, Vox Talk Radio and iTunes. But we talked about what he adds to this team. And, you know, like I said, he's our best uh, rebounder. And the fact that he has... You know, guys, obviously Jeremy Lin has gone now, but Alan Crabb, you know, this is a Shabazz Napier, teammates from last season. You know, we talked about the culture and the chemistry. That's going to only add to it. You know, those guys are going to have all an embedded chemistry already. You know, Alan Crabb and Ed Davis played great minutes for, for the Portland Trailblazers when they were, you know, playing playoff-type basketball. You know, Shabazz Napier was awesome last season for the Portland Trailblazers and in a lot of lineups with Ed Davis. Um, so I think that these are all good things and the fact that, you know, the other guys are talking and, and raving about sort of our, our culture and our staff and blah, blah, blah is only a good thing. And I think that, you know, when we're trying to attract, you know, bigger name free agents, like we talked about, you know, ad nauseum, you know, Ed Davis can turn into Kevin Drake, Kyrie Irving. But the, it, at this stage, you know, it's it's those comments are great from Ed Davis. Yeah. And I think people read this, you know, NBA players read the media and they see things like this. I don't know if they're reading Nets Daily or anything like that, but, you know, they're, they're understanding and players are talking, you know, the Nets staff, coaching staff, and 
Jared Dudley, a great podcast with uh, Woj, which I mentioned before, but give that a listen. He talks about how players are understanding different things about like longevity, you know, different uh, health staff. He mentioned how the Nets have different guys in that conditioning team to make sure that you're fresh all year long and things along those lines. Kenny doesn't kind of overcoach you or over practice you or anything like that. And I think that's a big benefit for the team kind of getting with the modern times when you have, you know, a guy like Minnesota Tibbs who might over practice you and your body might be fatigued by it comes playoff time. Yeah, and I think that that's it's when you look at what your role is, you know, you know all, all these sort of things like you mentioned, Nick, play into a camp. You know, you know, I think the the staff that's sort of around Sean Marks, outside of just the coaching stuff, is a very worldly stuff. You know, sort of San Antonio Spurs light sort of stuff. You know, and, and in that sense, you know, you're getting these different perspectives, and you know, you're sort of learning new things because you know these guys, uh, the NBA season can be a grind for some, and it's an 82 game season, and it's a marathon in a lot of ways. But having these different voices having these different sort of you know expertise around them is only going to be a positive thing whether that's dietitians whether that's training stuff whether that's coaching stuff whether that's you know the trainers or whoever it is um, and I think that these are all good things and you know things that can sell us to prospective free agents and you know it's already worked we got a guy like Ed Davis um, and we got you know you know to a lesser extent Jared Dudley and, and and the rest when we other guys were competing for their sort of services yeah, and I think it's just a promising sign, especially when you're hearing good things from players. And we've kind of mentioned on a few other shows where NBA media have said they've heard players talking about Brooklyn next summer as a real possibility and things along those lines. Moving on to Jared Dudley's presser, you know, a little small thing at uh, the training facility. Uh, his first quote, and this kind of mentions about coming to the Nets after he almost signed there two years ago. The cool thing for me is I always wanted to live in New York. So to me, I think it's like coming full circle with Kenny Atkinson. It's one of the reasons why two years ago I thought about this place. It was for him, primarily of his coaching style. Sometimes in life, stuff comes back around. I mean, that's great to hear about Kenny, that people really want to be coached by him. Absolutely. Um, you know, his time in Atlanta, his time, you know, as an assistant, um, you, he is probably, you know, you look at sort of the way that coaching ranks are sort of heading these days. You could advocate, you can make an argument um, for the fact that Coach Kenny was sort of like, you know, the sort of precursor to all of that, you know, the sort of player development guy, the guy who's sort of like, you know, only wants what's best for his team is, you know, completely selfless in that sort of sense. You know, we're seeing this with like Lloyd Pierce, uh, Igor Kokoshkov, um, you know, the the Charlotte Hornets uh, head coach now from San Antonio. These sort of guys that are sort of like, you know, full on about their team, full on about, you know, developing their players, you know, no matter what age they are. You know, we saw it from Damari Carroll last year having one of his best seasons uh, in the league. And, you know, he's been around the league for 10 plus years. You know, I think Jared Dudley's going to have an increased season as well. The fact that he wants to be on the Brooklyn Nets and, you know, those old tweets were sort of, you know, brought up, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Social it was under the Billy King era, so I really don't care about it, to be honest. It was under the Sean Marks era. Maybe I'd be a little salty, but honestly, I don't think that he's completely wrong. At that time, I no. was kind of surprised about Dwight wanting to come to Brooklyn anyways. Like, <laughs> like I was surprised. I didn't expect it. It, it is funny, and the fact that you know the the rumors coming out were that Dwight wanted to be a part would would, would have been happy to be a part of Brooklyn, and you know Sean Marks was like, "Nah, I'd rather have you know these other guys who can probably add a bit more to our roster in their roles and probably won't will add something to the locker room, which I think is you know okay. I, Jared Dudley mentioned on the Woj pod and the fact that you know to add something to the locker room it, it helps so much when you're on the court as well. And, you know, Damari Carroll showed that in spades last year. And I think Kenneth Fareed, you know, Jared Dudley are going to have that opportunity to do that as well. Um, I think Jared Dudley is an upgrade over um, uh, Darrell Arthur. 
and to Quincy Aishi. These guys can add something on the court. And, you know, in that sense, you know, they can, you know, coach while on the court, play a coach in a way, and you'll be able to give that expertise. They've they've been around the league. They've seen so many different situations and they can provide their perspective. And I think that that's only going to be a good thing. Jared Dudley's relationship with Devin Booker, obviously D'Angelo's going to think the world of him because it's one of his best friends, if not his best friend in the world. So I think, you know, Jared Dudley's only going to add good things to, to this Brooklyn Nets roster, even if he's not playing a heap of minutes. Yeah, and talking about D'Angelo and Jared Dudley, this is what uh, Dudley had to say about Jared Jared Allen and D'Angelo Russell. You think about D'Angelo Russell and the talent he has being a lefty coming from the Lakers. Everybody knows his scoring ability. I think for him, and I talked to him on the phone, is how can you make your teammates better? So for him, when I get in here a couple weeks, I like to see how he leads. I love that. I mean, I love the fact that he's sort of putting the onus on D'Angelo. It's, it's like, this is your team. You know, I think hearing that from coaches, from from GMs, you know, it, obviously it, it's different than coming from a teammate and, and a new teammate and a guy that's had an outside perspective as well coming from the Phoenix Suns. And obviously he's probably got a somewhat of a vested interest as well because he's, he's friends with Devin Booker as well. But I, I love that because I want to see that from D'Angelo. I want to see him run the floor. Because for me last year, in ways, you could argue that Spencer Dinwiddie ran the floor better as a floor general than D'Angelo Russell did. D'Angelo Russell had greater highlights and probably had better assists in that sort of sense. But for me, as a leader running the floor, Spencer Dinwiddie sort of had that aura about him. Whereas I want D'Lo to have that. You know, he can combine that with his scoring, his three-point shooting, and, and whatever stats that he wants. But I want him to be a leader. I want this to be his team because if we're trying to attract free agents, if Delo's an all-star and we can attract, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler, you know, pairing that with another all-star, you know, you want to get those two to three, you know, superstars to be a championship contender. And if Delo can make that step, it's going to start with leadership. Yeah, and I think one thing for D'Angelo, and I agree, I think Spencer at points in the season definitely looked better as the lead point guard or the lead guard, but D'Angelo had that late stretch in the season where he, I think there was one game in Orlando that really sticks out to me where he was just such a great point guard, and he just yeah, ran the system, and everything was just on point. That's what I want to see, and I think he's bought into that a little bit more too. And I agree yeah, the leadership thing as well. Like seeing him put in all this work this summer, I, I don't know what he did last summer. Obviously, I wasn't as glued to the, the Instagram or social media as I am now. But it feels like he's just putting in a grind and focusing more on his body and making sure he's good to go for the season. That's something he said was a goal of the season. And he seems a little bit more mature. And I think that's important too. Being a leader, we always forget he's such a young kid. Now Dudley's comment on uh, Jared Allen. I think Jared Allen, the potential for him where he's a big that can move side to side, be able to block shots. I know he progressed over the last year, and I think those two are on the cornerstones, and we all have to fall in place and play our roles around them. I, I love the sort of the the deferring the deference from Jared Dudley there, in a sense that like you know these there are a lot of guys, and I I, I highly doubt Dwight Howard would have said that in a presser. I, I highly doubt Melo would have said that. <laughs> exactly, all these sort of guys. Uh, I think that it's. It's great that they sort of see the potential in our guys and how that they can help them. Not so much like, you know, how can you help me? You know, Jared Allen, how are you going to sort of, you know, set me some screens? How are you going to get me some open look? No, how is it that I can help you and I can see the potential in you? We've seen um, Spencer Ronde and, and a heap of other guys talk about Jared Allen being a top five um, sort of center uh, in, in the future. And, you know, we've seen, you know, glimpses of it of last year, you know, with the, the rim, rim running dunks, the destroying, the soul destroying blocks. You know, I, I, the consistency, I, I can't wait to see what Jared Allen can produce this season because so many of our guys are putting in work and we could spend a whole podcast talking about Jared Allen. And we the could possible- spend a whole podcast about Instagram videos. <laughs> pretty pretty much. And, you know, 
Jared Allen's offseason has been awesome. And, you know, low-key, a, a lot of guys are talking about him on within the net squad as well. So uh, I think that a lot of our guys are putting in work, you know, barring any injury, um, knock on wood. I'm hoping just for uh, for good things for Jared Allen. And, you know, I think, again, like I mentioned with, Jar- with Jared Dudley from, the, from his perspective, I think he's going to help all these guys because he's been around so many other teammates. He's been around, you know, a guy like a Tyson Chandler, you know, a guy that he's seen who, you know, Jared um, Allen can probably look to be towards, you know, that sort of offensive rebounding potential that Jared Allen can have. You know, he's sort of seen that from Tyson Chandler, who's one of the best, best offensive rebounders ever. Obviously, you know, in the, the waning years now, it's changed a little bit. But, you know, he's been around so many different teammates that he can sort of give that perspective, give that life experience to impart onto him. Yeah, and one thing I harp on, I think I do it more on the outlet than on the buzz, is to being self-aware. Players aren't self-aware. You look at guys like Carmelo Anthony, sometimes Isaiah Thomas, not understanding where they are in the NBA at certain points and understanding their role. And the fact that Dudley does understand that and he's willing to help the other guys and kind of explain that to them is only going to benefit the team and kind of help them, you know, be better than the 28th team in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, talking about playoffs uh, in, in terms of Jared Dudley, this is what he had to say. So does this team have the talent? Close enough. I think defensively we have to take the next step and offensively shot selection. The Eastern Conference is open for a team to come and grab it. The question is which team is preparing and which team is healthy, but I definitely think it should be a goal. That's great to hear. Yeah, which team is prepared, which team is healthy. Those are the two things that I take away from that, Nick. Um, we're doing everything when, when it comes to the preparation. Health is obviously a roll of the dice, and you know you can't stop you know injuries and you know chance things happen. You know it, it's just the the nature of the league. It's the nature of sport in general when you're an athlete. But you know to have that sort of preparedness going into the season, being prepared for that sort of long 82 game grind, I think is only going to help us. And the fact that like we've talked about before when we were talking about you know the sort of free agency signings, we have that depth now to plug into those roles. So if we lose a guy then you know it's not going to add take away so much from us you know we can still have you know that depth in the in the roster at different positions so we can sort of go okay well we lose this guy we can plug in this guy so hopefully we don't lose too much you know it's obviously going to be horrible if we lose any player for any amount of time but the fact that we have depth means it's going to increase our playoff chances Exactly. And the fact is, it also gives you different opportunities for Kenny and the coaching staff to kind of match up with other teams where, you know, last year our best lineup might have been definitely small ball and, you know, not maybe playing a power forward or something like that. Or Rondé playing at the four is obviously undersized. Now the team comes in with two bigger guys. We can kind of match up with that. And there's just a whole bunch of different pieces where he can kind of mix and match and kind of play a little bit of chess out there. But Jack, you ready to hit him with your new uh, social media segment? Yeah, so I, I was doing some social media sleuthing. So we call it <laughs> I like it, I like it. <laughs> the J-Man social media sleuth. So uh, following, obviously, plenty of fan pages and, and plenty of Nets pages on Instagram. Um, one sort of posed the fact that uh, th- both of these are via Clutch Nets. Do you think D'Lo and Spencer should start together next year, or do you prefer Alan Crabb or Karis LeVert next to D'Lo? I'll put this to you, Nick, because uh, I think that you'd be have a, a decent perspective on this. Uh, you know what, Jack, I dug into the numbers a little bit and I was like, you know, let me look up these two man lineup combinations. And the best one was D'Angelo and Alan Crabb, you know, Dinwiddie and uh, D'Lo were minus 77 in 353 minutes. Lavert and D'Lo were minus 148 in 466 minutes. And Dinwiddie and Lavert were minus 73 in 767 minutes. So from that perspective, analytically, it looks like D'Lo and Crabb is the best combination. Now, if Spencer were to develop his three-point shot and get a lot more consistent, 
that would maybe change my mind. Same thing for Karras. I think what D'Lo needs is somebody who can play off ball and knock down the three-point shot. I think Crab will benefit the most playing with D'Angelo. So I think getting D'Angelo and Crab in there, it seems like they have a little bit of chemistry too. So I think I'm probably going to keep that unless somebody comes out with a huge training camp. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe that. And, and and like we were sort of talking about just before with the depth, if Alan Crabb is going to miss a game or two, you can chuck in a Spencer. There are going to be times where it's not going to be the exact same guy starting next Everyone's brains are ankle when they play basketball. It's like Ab- a guarantee. Absolutely. There are going to be wear and tear injuries. You know, guys are going to, it's very rare for guys to play 82 games. You know, the fact that LeBron did it last year in his 15th season was, you know, remarkable because he's barely done it in his career overall. But yeah, I was looking up some two man sort of lineups, advanced sets on NBA.com. And this is via sort of like net ratings and offensive rating, defensive rating. And, you know, as a whole, in 337 minutes, Spencer and and D'Lo had an offensive rating of 108.1 and a pretty poor defensive rating of 119.6. So a negative 11.5 net rating there. So obviously, you know, defensively, D'Lo has a ways to go. Spencer was probably one of our better defenders last year. Um, You know, limited time, 337 minutes is nothing. But yeah, I think right now, Alan Crabb is our legitimate style. You look, all the things you talked about, spacing, perimeter shooting, all these different things. Uh, it just works best next to D'Lo. But, you know, there'll be lineups. And you know, just because they start together doesn't mean that they're going to finish together. Um, exactly. There's going to be there's going to be different lineups throughout the night. We know Coach Kenny likes to sort of, you know, um, play round robin in, in a sense and sort of see what's going, see what's working well, mix and match. You know, I, I'm excited to see in the, in the preseason games as well what he sort of goes with as well because that could be a precursor going into the season because you don't want to mix and match too much going into the season or like at the start of the season because you want to sort of have set lineups and sort of set rotations going forward so you can have that consistency for you guys but there may be need for experimentation at the same time and the fact that we have flexibility with such a sort of deep guard rotation because you know my boy joe harris was even mentioned there and i'd i'd, I'd chuck him in there i think he's a worthy starter but and that's when you're talking about the spacing He's a better three-point shooter than Alan Crabb, at least right now, based off of numbers. But, you know, there will be lineups where D'Lo and Joe Harris could play together as well. So it's just nice to sort of be regurgitating all these different names together. It's, I think, going to be positive because backcourt play is uh, such an important part of in today's NBA. Yeah, I think I would be less opposed to um, if maybe somebody else was taking that starting lineup, but you keep Crabb in there and maybe you want to put Dinwiddie or Levert in there. I think that makes more sense, but you need to have at least Crab, and I mean possibly Joe Harris. I'd say the one thing about Crab that gives him a little bit more value if he's able to keep the numbers as high as Joe Harris is his ability to kind of shoot a little bit more off balance from three. You know, Harris is more of a fundamentally sound guy where, you know, you see Crab kind of floating a little bit and he has like more of a get hot ability where he can kind of just like microwave real quick. So I I would definitely leave Crab in the starting lineup, but I wouldn't be opposed to maybe taking somebody else out and putting Levert or Dinwiddie at the two spot. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got like the, the sort of height range, the weight range of a lot of our guys, obviously, but they're putting on uh, muscle as we speak. But, you know, the versatility that we had, like we were sort of talking about earlier, is going to make for some fun lineups. But there's another one I, I found, Nick, and that we'll finish with. Uh, and it's obviously one of those sort of viral ones where it's like, which button do you press? And it's the, the different sort of colors. Um, so one of the buttons is the Nets have two or more All-Stars. Uh, one of the other buttons says Nets make the playoffs. Another button says uh, Delo scores over 22 points per game. Uh, the Nets will have the first pick in the draft. Uh, Sean Marks trades for Jimmy Butler. And Janan Musa makes the all-rookie first team. There are some doozies there. 
I mean, honestly, for me, this one was pretty easy because, like, if you get hit this button, the other ones are probably going to happen. And that was have two all-stars. So yeah. if the Nets have two all-stars, they're going to make the playoffs because either that means D'Angelo's taking his game to another level and the Nets traded for one or they, you know, sign one in free agency or whatever and they're in great shape. And the same thing along Jimmy Butler lines is, like, they'll probably get somebody in Jimmy Butler's caliber because I don't know if anybody else on the Nets roster right now is capable of making an all-star team next season. I would definitely probably be shocked by it. So I think D'Angelo is the only guy that really could. So that would mean they'd be able to trade for a big star. And John Musa, like, I, I expect – I expect him to have maybe a quiet season and kind of pick up late in the second half because I think he needs to get adjusted to the NBA. I think it's easy to forget international guys. It's a little bit harder just because the NBA is such a different game than what's overseas. Yeah, we did see there was a post um, on Twitter making the rounds and, and Janan retweeted it. Uh, I think it was like a FIBA under 21 sort of um, international. And he was number one, right? And he was number one, you know, alongside the, the likes of, you know, RJ Barrett, who's predicted to be, funnily enough, the number one pick next year, um, the, the, the Canadian prospect. You know, I'm not going to – I've always – ever since I've been a Nets fan, I've always wanted to have – you know, an absolute stud on our team in terms of like a rookie prospect, you know, a Ben Simmons, you know, a DeAndre Ayton, you know, whoever it is. Um, so I'm not going to lie that that button d- wouldn't tempt me because to have a Zion Williams or an RJ Barry or a Cam Radish on our team would be you know, pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie about that. But, you know, if, if D'Lo turns into an all-star, we don't need it. So, you know, it's fun to sort of debate these. And we could do an entire podcast about each one of these sort of separate selections. Pretty much. But I'll probably go with the same one as you because if the Nets have two or more all-stars, it's likely that they, they make the playoffs. It's likely that D'Lo is scoring 22 points per game. But, yeah, this is definitely, you know, a, a, a must sort of follow on um, on Insta, guys. And I'll probably come up with a few more um, as well because – it's all, it's all these sort of things and make the off season fun. And, you know, it's what makes basketball chatter even more fun. It's what makes the Brooklyn buzz fun. And, you know, if you guys have got some uh, scenarios that you want us to chat about, you know, hit us up, you know, Nick will uh, be giving us the plug right at the end. But Jack, that wraps it up for today. As always, thank everybody for listening. You can check Jack and I both out on Twitter. You can check out the the brand at OTG Basketball. Also check out Jack at the J-Man JBT. And you can check me out at OTG Nick, OTG underscore Nick. And also follow us on iTunes, Blog Talk, uh, OTGBasketball.com, Dash Radio. Let us know what you think. Shoot us some comments. Share us. And uh, also give us those five-star reviews. Shout out to whoever gave us a couple this week. We appreciate it. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.